Welcome aboard Sing Second Sports. This is pod number 10. Thank you so much for sticking with us in the first nine. Uh, I am John Schofield, former Naval Academy PAO. Joining us as usual is Ward Carroll, class of 82 and fantastic musician, and Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capital Gazette. First and foremost, I, I do want to make reference to an anniversary that just passed this past week. Uh, which was the shooting at the Capitol Gazette. Um, it has now been two years, which um, it, it seems like forever ago, but it also seems like yesterday. Uh, there were some very meaningful uh, messages out there in the world about um, making note of, of the five incredibly brave people who lost their lives uh, that day and how it's affected people going forward to include um, our very good friend, Bill Wagner. So I just wanted to throw it to you, Bill, let you know that we were thinking about you this past week as the anniversary passed. It's important that we remember. I think you'd agree, right? Well, thank you, John. And yes, we will always remember, and the anniversary will be an opportunity. Editor Rick Hutzel had a gathering of at his house. It was rather somber. It wasn't a party, I would say, but it was so that we could all be together to talk about the incident and just commemorate the anniversary, the Large group of Capital Gazette staffers went to the memorial that's been created. Community support the Capital Gazette received after this and continues to receive. It's been overwhelming and it uplifts us every day. And we're very, very grateful. Uh, again, we're, we're we're thinking about you, Wags, and uh, and just how special the you know the Capital Sports page is to us, and one of the inspirations for the beginning of this podcast. Uh, Ward, I'll kick it to you. How was your week? Um, the thing that concerns me or that I've been focused on as we have talked to to Coach and uh, Chet and, and others associated with the Navy-Notre Dame game and the existence of intercollegiate sports in the fall is some of the programs that have gotten back together for isolation, conditioning, have, have had a pretty horrible track record with COVID-19 outbreaks, particularly I'm thinking of Clemson uh, that most recently has had a spike. And as you extrapolate that, um, it starts to uh, create word of mouth concern about whether a football season, an intercollegiate football season will, will happen. Um, this week, the class of 2024 started showing up for different groups to show up, parents drop them off, and then they go into isolation for 14 days. So really, we're on the bleeding edge with that initiative. Uh, and the soup said expressly the fact that they are going to come back by superintendent edict, because that wasn't a known thing as we ended, you know, we sort of called second semester last spring. Uh, it wasn't sure what would fall semester look like. And he said, hey, we cannot do the Naval Academy mission as a distance learning proposition. Uh, maybe we can do the academic portion, but the other tenets cannot be done. And that's the physical and moral development part of creating naval officers. So the brigade's coming back, just like they made the call. We're going to start plebe summer basically on time. Now we're going to do it in four different groups of 200 roughly. And there will be no T court ceremony where we do the 
the swearing in and all of the other stuff that's traditional with I-Day. I know the parents are not too happy about that. Um, but we're going to press on. So we are really, the Naval Academy is the bleeding edge of how we uh, adjust to the COVID-19 environment. And so this includes the sports side of the house. And as we've had on previous episodes of the pod, we know how coaches are postured to approach this, but it is not a done deal. Um, so, you know, stay tuned. We will keep everybody updated. Certainly Wags has his ears at the tracks probably better than any of us. Well, uh, let's first start with the Lafayette game because that's a very, very important. Losing a football game is significant. It's a home football game. Uh, no matter how many fans are in the stands, it's going to mean some sort of revenue. Um, the bottom line is, is that there are very few football schools in the entire country that can afford regular testing for the coronavirus and to follow all the protocols that are in place in order to play football. They basically equate to the Power Five conferences, the American Athletic Conference, and perhaps the Mountain West and Mid-American. I don't know the financial situation for any of the schools in the Mid-American or Mountain West, but the rest of college football, and that means the entire football championship subdivision and some of the lesser football bowl subdivision conferences such as the Sun Belt and others are not going to be able to play football because they can't afford to do regular testing. Or, as Navy head coach Kenny Amatololo said, it'll be the wild, wild west where they don't test and just pray, nothing happens. But the bottom line is this, Navy coach Kenny Amatololo told me he doesn't want to play any of those schools. He does not want to play a school that's not conducting regular testing or following all of the other protocols that are required. So if Navy is looking to replace the Lafayette game that was scheduled for Saturday, September 12th at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, there is no chance it will be any program other than a Power 5 conference school because they're the only others testing. There's going to be all sorts of schools with open dates because everyone plays an FCS opponent or a very, very smaller conference opponent early in the season, and we're expecting in the next couple weeks to be a wave of canceled games, which is going to open up dates. And so I think Chuck Gladchuk, the athletic director at Navy, will have plenty of opportunities to find a willing opponent. He did not tell me that it has to be a Navy home game. They may travel that weekend if that's what is required in order to get a game in. So Ward, you know, putting on your prognosticator cap, um, which is much different than a golf hat, um, what, what do you think this portends for the future, like college football writ large? Does, is this kind of like the first salvo in, in possibly the entire season getting canceled? And then, you know, Wags, I'd be interested in your opinion on that too. Wags has very specific intel, of course. And I think what's being left out of it is the second order consequence, which is the legal element. Um, So there's a lot of liability elements um, baked into um, just the pragmatic who's willing to play and who can play because of testing kits or whatever. Um, What we're seeing writ large nationwide is the virus is growing. It's not, so it's sort of a binary thing. You know, we thought it was going down and, and it was great to reopen everything. 
it turns out that's not that easy. And so with this cancellation, I think we will see a a floodgate opening um, for a bunch of reasons, including the liability piece. So the Navy-Notre Dame game, we had a long conversation with Chet on the show about his approach to this, including the economics of ticket prices. Um, I I think that's going to get another look in terms of the liability. Uh, Are you going to sign a waiver that says, I'll, I'll pay 500 bucks for a ticket? And I'll also sign this thing that says I do not hold NAAA or anybody else liable if I get COVID-19 by attending the Navy Notre Dame game. You know, sort of like they've done at Trump rallies. That could be part of it. And maybe when you sign up for your ticket, when you purchase your ticket, that's an interstitial that comes up and says, you know, before you check out, you have to agree to this. Um, So I think all of that hasn't really been fully thought through here. You know, the plebes just started plebe summer. This is a great social experiment, not just for the Naval Academy, for the nation. Um, I would like to know how many plebes showed up on I-Day uh, coronavirus positive. I'm sure they, you know, John is the former PAO. That's not a number that, they're, that Atlanta is going to give out right away. Um, and then as they go forward and they're retested, you know, sometimes you're just going to have to call it. We've seen this with Clemson football team. They have an outbreak and you got to kind of pause not just practice, but the pre-practice isolation period. So this is really a moving target. So I don't want to be Debbie Doom here, but I think it's within um, the realm of possibility that the season is canceled outright. Of course, as I've said, you know, I, I want there to be a season and I want there to be the scheduled home games for sure. I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm willing to, uh, quote unquote risk whatever it is to be part of the chain gang. I'll do whatever it takes to, you know, take my temperature, give me a test on the way in, you know, shove a Q-tip up my nose, whatever. I'm good with it. Um, I'll sign whatever waiver I have to. Um, But this, when it gets to be so huge, the lawyers get a final vote here. um, And I don't think that they've weighed in yet as this is a moving target. Well, before Wags makes his prediction, I'll, I'll just... I'll fancy a, uh, a possibility that someone pays $1,000 for a ticket to see Notre Dame and then they come, try to come into the, like, the D gate or the C gate after tailgating and they have a temperature and they get told to hit the bricks. That person is going to be pretty pissed off. Uh, so, Wags, what's your prediction? Well, I said from the outset, there's going to be positive tests. It's just the way it is. And you can say what you want politically, but... The bottom line is for most of these young student-athletes, they're asymptomatic. They're not going to have to even go to the hospital. So I think if you want to play college football, you're going to have to live with positive tests. You're going to have to isolate those who test positive, uh, retest the rest of your team. And, yeah, if you have an outbreak of 12, 15 players and you're basically decimated, does this mean – you can't play next. I don't know the answer, but if... if well, that's if people, what I'm saying, Wags. That's what I'm saying. The Jags get a vote at that point, right? I, I got it. So let's make sure here. You're not saying a player who tests positive is able to take the field, right? That's not what you that's just right. said. No, no, no. Okay. I'm saying Good. you gotta got to live that. with people are going to test positive. And does that mean you shut down the whole season because you had two players test positive and you have to quarantine and they cannot play next week? Or no, not two. But again, this is what we're learning. There will be a tripwire. 
of percentage of the team that tests positive where the USNA JAG gets a vote and he will just say, he'll make the call. We're not playing, right? And, and so I, I'm not predicting this. I'm just saying that this, these are the metrics, these are the variables in play currently in this very weird, unprecedented circumstance. Well, I'm sure that Chet Gladchuk and the other higher-ups at the Naval Academy have already had these exact discussions, and I don't think we'd be continuing down the road of trying to play if they'd been told by the legal experts, if you get four guys test positive, we're shutting you down. So I, I don't know what's going on internally within the Naval Academy, but I do know Chet Gladchuk, the athletic director, is still pushing forward with having a football season and I think they uh, recognize that they're going to have some of their players test positive. I think what they hope is there's some initial t- positive tests and then they can somehow get it under control and then move through a season with very limited interruption and not having a massive outbreak if they follow all the protocols that they're planning to follow and isolate their players the best they can. But, you know, obviously we just don't know. There's How do you predict this yeah. it's going to be it's going to be rough and i can tell you from experience that uh during the sequestration and furlough when i was the pao and the government was shut down and there was a hot debate about whether we were going to play the air force game i can tell you without doing too much inside baseball that the jag had a very definite opinion on that and then Chuck gladchuck had a very definite opinion on that and and those weren't necessarily in line um, so it's now about managing, uh, <laughs> managing expectations and, and managing the, uh, you know, who, who has power over whom. And I'm not saying that as a, as a uh, criticism of Chet or the JAG. I'm just saying that, you know, Wags is exactly right. These conversations have happened and they've probably been pretty colorful. So the financial implications are certainly significant. Speaking of financial implications, uh, yeah, the, the sponsorship situation with Under Armour is also a story that's out there right now and could affect the long-term health of Naval Academy sports. Wags, it, for those who didn't read your story, what was that all about? Well, Under Armour is facing some se- severe financial problems. They've, uh, they were already suffering. Their brand overall has been suffering now for quite a bit of time and the whole pandemic situation only compounded things and they are uh, they've fired the shot across the bow of all their uh, partners in NCAA athletics by announcing that they were canceling their record deal with UCLA now nobody thinks they're actually planning to outright cancel the deal with UCLA that was a serving notice to UCLA that there is going to be a massive reworking of the contract and uh, having to try to reduce the cost to Under Armour. And then, sure enough, uh, it didn't take long to find out that UCLA was not the only school. Under Armour also has Cal Berkeley as a, a sponsorship client. They want to either do away with that deal or, or in other words, re- restructure it. Boston College, the same. So it made sense when I'm reading this article to find out, well, Navy's an Under Armour school. Uh, does Under Armour want to renegotiate with Navy as well? And it turns out they do. Now the question is, what type of renegotiation? They have a clause in the contract that states that a season must be completed. 
Well, Navy did not complete any seasons during the spring. None of the spring sports teams completed a season. In fact, they barely even started a season. So Under Armour, by the basic tenants of the contract, is owed money just for the loss of spring sports season. But we all know football is the real moneymaker, and the Under Armour deal with the Naval Academy Athletic Association is largely centered around football, even though they do outfit all the other 33 varsity sports. Um, football is what drives the bus. And so the question is, is Under Armour seeking a massive renegotiation of its deal with Navy, or are they just seeking to tweak it a bit? Chet Gladchuck, the athletic director, when I spoke to him about this, did not seem overly alarmed. He thought it was expected that Under Armour was going to want to you know, restructure the deal in lieu of what happened in the spring, but he's not concerned that it's going to be a deal ender. He, he feels confident that Under Armour and Navy will move forward as partners. He's said Navy's proud to wear the Under Armour logo. They've been great partners. He even said that Under Armour has assured him that Navy is part of the family, if you will. So I think you'll find that Under Armour will continue to be a sponsor of Navy and will outfit their teams with uniforms, but the deal is going to have to be restructured. Under Armour's you know, they've got financial problems and they can't afford to pay what they originally contracted to pay. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm looking at some of the numbers here. So the UCLA deal, 15 years, 280 million. That's, that's basically like a Mike Trout contract right there. Half year before they signed UCLA, it was a 10 year, $96 million deal with Wisconsin. And that, and that doesn't even get into the Notre Dame deal and Auburn and maybe so, yeah, it's... And Maryland, it's, uh, let's not forget Maryland, yeah. which is a signature Under Armour school. And frankly, someone with my newspaper should be looking into that situation. Exactly. But something tells me that Kevin Plank, a very dedicated Maryland grad, is, is not going to mess, uh, mess with the Maryland program too much. And, and thus, the, 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 the lowest hanging fruit, ironically, are the ones that are the most expensive. You know, $280 million to UCLA, $96 million to Wisconsin. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, w Ward, what, what's your uh, what's your thought on that? Should we just go back to Nike? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the chain gang, you know, as part of the deal, gets gets swag. So, um, you know, um, I'm I'm personally concerned. Um, I have a lot of I have a lot of Under Armour stuff. Um, you know, including these shoes I have on. This was this year's this was oh, this yeah. year's shoe. Right? Those are sweet, Ward. They are Man. sweet. You These are were on the sidelines of the Army Navy things. game. These were on the sidelines of the Army Navy game, right? Um, so, I mean, the rumors have been floating for a while about Under Armour's restructuring. They expanded probably too quickly, built that huge facility in Baltimore. Um, so, I don't think this is entirely a surprise uh, that they're they're having to look at uh, freebies and, and other sorts of uh, of sponsorship deals and. Proud to wear Under Armour stuff. It's high quality. I can tell you that. Um, and uh, you know, we'll we'll have to see. I think this just this is like a minor detail about a season's existence is in peril, right? So um, yeah, I, I see. I look at all of these as like a conglomeration of storm clouds, right? And and in the grand scheme of things, with COVID numbers going up and football games getting canceled and local, you know, companies like Under Armour um, having problems, you know, it, it creates this perfect storm that, that certainly, 
I don't want to be the glass half empty type of guy, but, but yeah, you know, we're, we're here. We are worried about football game or a football season, you know, and, and people like Sean Doolittle yesterday for the nationals kind of put it into perspective. Like, dude, we, we can't even get our shit together, you know, as a country, like, you know, with like the basic blocking and tackling, um, you know, and, and you guys care about whether there are fans in the stands and, and I'm kind of the same way. Like, man, if Under Armour folds, you know, if the numbers keep going up, football games get canceled, you know, and maybe back to phase one in the fall, it gets pretty ugly. So we'll see. We'll see how it, uh, how it goes. But as always, many, many thanks to uh, WAGS, you know, despite being furloughed and being screwed with by the Tribune company, continues to do great journalism. Um, it, it continues to baffle me. Um, but you know, again, Wags finding scoops despite the fact that his parent company isn't supporting him is a credit to his to his ability as a journalist. So, we will uh, switch gears really quick and talk about dudes beating up other dudes uh, with Kerry uh, Colat of the wrestling program, brand new head coach. We will talk to him when we come back from break. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield. Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back on Sing Second Sports. Thanks for sticking with us uh, during the break. We're honored to have uh, brand new Naval Academy wrestling coach Kerry Colat joining us right now. He was named the head coach of Navy Wrestling on March 20th, 2020. He's established himself as one of the premier coaches in the sport after building a Campbell program into a SOCON power and a national name. He and his wife, Erin, are the parents of two daughters, Zoe and Gracie, and also a son, Ryder. And as we speak, uh, Coach is, is currently trying to find a place to, to settle everyone up here in Annapolis. Uh, so we're very happy that he made time out of his busy schedule to talk to us. Coach, how are you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. So, Coach, I'll, I'll jump right to it before I throw it to Ward. What spurred you to come to Navy? Uh, you had established yourself as a really successful head coach at Campbell. So what, what was the allure? Why, why Navy? Uh, you know, everybody's asked that question multiple times. And, and, and I, I always had the same simple response. It's the U.S. Naval Academy. Um, it carries weight ar- around the country, around the world. Uh, everybody knows what it, what it represents, the individuals that come here. Um, and being able to, to talk to a recruit and tell them you can offer them the, the number one public education in the country. Um, to be able to offer him um, characteristics and, and, and a learning experience that he will get nowhere else uh, and, and what comes after the Naval Academy and, and the, the connections and the brotherhood that you, you have from there on out. And I think everybody knows when, you, when, when a Navy grad walks in and, and they see another Navy grad, I mean, it's, it's an instant bond because you understand and recognize what a person uh, had to do to get there, what they went through to, to be there, and graduating from the Naval Academy and going on to be an officer and, and leading others is it's just different. You, and, and nobody else can offer that. Um, there, there's some other academies out there, uh, but I you know believe that the Naval Academy is is number one when it comes to the academies. and and um so that's the allure of the place, you know, and and uh, being here is 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 special, and i'm I'm honored to be here in this position now. You're getting here at a weird time, obviously, because of the COVID-19 situation. Uh, 
what's your approach going into the summer and into first semester with dealing with the, the circumstances that the pandemic presents? Well, honestly, it's it, it's change. It changes all the time. Um, at one point, we thought we'd have some of our guys back in July um, under an NAAA blocker that got moved to August. Um, you know, then uh, some sports, fall sports, were allowed to come back, and they're going to do their ROM and uh, restriction of movement and and be tested, and then start training. So right now, the only thing that that we we've been able to do is um, speak to our guys through Zoom chats, get to know them that way keep them on task of, of, of if they're training at home and have access to a place where they can train, be smart, be safe, uh, keep improving. And, and as a staff, all we're capable of doing is, is recruiting calls, uh, recruiting video calls, you know, is scouring the internet for, for other recruits that, uh, that might've been missed by, by other coaches. That's all we can do. And, um, you know, and we're waiting till the guys get back in August and then we'll put follow procedure of reintroducing them to the Naval Academy in the yard, um, where their movements can go, get past the 14-day testing period, and then hopefully we can get into a, a, a groove of training in, in the room again. But honestly, it could change again. <laughs> so that, that's all we're doing. We're just, and I just tell the guys, you just, you, we just got to keep rolling with it. We're not the only ones in the country that are dealing with it. Everybody's dealing with it. So to sit back and get frustrated over something that's really kind of out of your, it's not out of our control. If we do the right things, we can get it back under control, but um, some things are out of your control and you, you just got to go with it like everybody else. So you, you answered John's question about why, why the Naval Academy was, a, was appealing. Yeah. Does that, do those elements uh, allow you to approach the challenge of, of building a great wrestling program differently than you would at Campbell? And if so, what are some of those basic elements for uh, the listener who maybe doesn't know a whole lot about intercollegiate wrestling? Yeah, so, so you know, one, geography plays a part, um, you know, and, and some of the best wrestlers are going to be coming from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, um, you know, and, and this region of the country is a hotbed for wrestling, um, you know, and, and everybody always said with my ties to Pennsylvania and being a former Pennsylvania guy, uh, would guys make the trip down to Campbell? Well, the truth is Campbell had – had so much to offer. I loved my time there. Loved the school. It's a small mid-major campus out in the country. Um, you know, and there's a lot of small mid-major uh, uh, schools in the country in Pennsylvania. So it can, it can either go eight hours and go to, to Campbell or, or you can stay home and do the same thing. The Naval Academy, um, I always say I relate it to a power five, big school, right? Um, large campus, um, you know, have the budgets to do what we need to do, but you have a mid-major size school. You only have 4,500 midshipmen here pretty much at any time. You have a one to eight uh, professor, you know, ratio to e each mid, um, and you get to offer them the, one of the best educations in the country. And the geography is, you know, PA kid now, some of them, if they're right on the border, they might be going an hour to get to the Naval Academy. Uh, you know, others might be going four hours. A Jersey kid in the bottom might be going to two and a half hours. So the geography allows us to grab kids um, closer. Um, the Naval Academy allows us to still have that reach nationwide. You know, we have a lot of California kids here. We're going to pull kids from uh, the state of Washington, the state of Oregon. So we have a national reach and we're situated in one of the best areas in the country for wrestling. Hey, Coach, Bill Wagner, I'll jump in. Um, let's talk competitive uh, things right now. Uh, Navy, I'm looking at the media guide, has not won an EIWA team championship. And just for our listeners, the Eastern Intercollegiate Wrestling Association 
is the conference that Navy competes in. That's where they go to a uh, end of season championship meet, and that determines what Navy wrestlers make the NCAA tournament. Uh, you have not Navy has not won that team championships nineteen ninety. That's yeah. an amazingly long time. Uh, I'm curious. Do you think it's possible for Navy to win again? And there haven't been many EIWA champions uh, over recent years. I mean, so before you get to the big picture of NCAA and competing on a national level, you got to improve your standing within the AIWA, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the landscape of wrestling um, is different than than you know a basketball conference or a football conference. You know, with us, we've had schools who aren't necessarily part of, well, a lot of schools were part of the Patriot League and then we're part of the Ivies and then we combined and we formed the EIWA, right? So the landscape is changing. Same with Mac. The EIWA is, if not the toughest conference in the country, it's the, it's the second toughest conference in the country. You know, we, traditionally the Big Ten has had a, had a stranglehold in, in terms of uh, uh, teams and individual national championships, but the EIWA has changed in the last 15 years. The ACC um, when I was coming out of high school in the 90s, I always told people the last place you went to wrestle was the ACC. It was one of the worst conferences in the country. Um, now they rank up there as pound for pound as, as one of the best as well. So the landscape has, has changed. The EIWA, if you if you win the EIWA team championship, uh, it's, it's very, it's very uh, possible that you're a top five team in the United States at the NCAA tournament. Uh, so that's how tough our conference has gotten. You have Lehigh, who has always been a traditional powerhouse. Cornell, and the, uh, you know, since Kyle Day hit there, it's, it's exploded their program. Uh, they've changed in the last 10 years. Um, you saw Princeton. I mean, nobody would have ever gone to Princeton and wrestled, you know, 20, 30 years ago. It wasn't a place you went to wrestle. You went there to, to have fun. Now, you know, Princeton is considered a top 15 team. So these Ivy Leagues have changed in the last 10 years tremendously. Um, so the, and it's good for us. The EIWA is, is a tough conference and you want the best competition. And if we have guys winning the EIWA individual title, then you have a shot at competing at the NCAA tournament and putting yourself on the podium and how high you go is going to be up to you. Um, so that's been the landscape and change. So you're right. You know, um, winning our conference is the first step in the process. Uh, establishing ourselves a, as a, a top one, two program every year in that conference is going to help us nationally put ourselves in the top 10 position. And, and for me, I, I feel like Navy has the resources, the stretch, the pool, um, the tradition to be a top 10 program on a regular basis. I feel like a down year is, is, is top 20 and, and we shouldn't drop past that in, in my mind with what we have to offer a kid and the recruits we can go after. Well, speaking of programs within the EIWA and even more closer to home to Navy, a program that's improved dramatically is your arch rival Army. The history of the Army-Navy series, Navy leads 49-8 and 5. 49 victories, 8 losses, 5 ties. Four of those 8 losses have come in the last four years. Navy has lost Army four years in a row. I know that Chet Gladchuck considers that absolutely unacceptable particularly considering the history of the rivalry, but you got to give it to the Army coaching staff. They've picked it up a notch and turned things up, and now you got a challenge on your hand with your most immediate rival. Can you address that, Coach? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think they've done a good job. I think their staff has done a good job. I, I got asked this question. I had a town hall meeting with our alumni, and they, they said, what are they doing that we're not doing? And I and I've seen when I was at Campbell, I saw Army, you know, and, and, um, and they had a comparable program to us. In fact, I said, you know, there was times when they were ranked 19th and Campbell was 20, and sometimes we were 19, they were 20. 
Um, I thought they did a good job of, of recruiting the right kids for the program. You know, the education here is, is different. Um, you're going to have some things in terms of the, the military side that you're going to have to follow. You've got to find the right kid for your program. And I think they did. They found the right kids. Um, and I, but I just think in terms of the Naval Academy, the education, the opportunity that comes after a kid has more routes between the Navy and the Marine Corps. Um, look, we're on the ocean. We're not up in the mountains where there's nothing to do. You know, you can walk through the yard and, and go downtown Annapolis and, and have a little bit of a social life and, and, and enjoy yourselves. And, and I think, and I brought my staff with me from Campbell. And um, so we understand what kind of kid it takes to be here. In fact, I think it was a lot of the kids that we were grabbing at Campbell would, would have been great um, Naval Academy kids. And now I think we're going to get those same kids with the same characteristics. And I think my, my staff, I'll put my staff up against anybody in the country in terms of the personalities, how we train kids, uh, how we motivate. Um, I think we build great team unity. And when you build great team unity, every time a guy goes out, he doesn't want to let the staff down. He doesn't want to let his teammates down. And that's where Navy has to get back to. to that's the mindset they, and approach they have to get back to. I think every program at some point goes through dips, right? And, and, um, and so the best thing about having a, a rival is that they keep you motivated and they keep you on your toes. And so Navy took a little dip to Army and, uh, you know, we're here to fix that dip and, and get back to where we should be established and, and get those wins back in the win column and, uh, in essence, keep Army in their place where they should be, right? So that's the plan. Well, I was going to say, I think a lot of the why the Navy alumni are so excited about you coming on board as a coach is that you have a well-earned reputation as running an incredible wrestling room. Uh, development's the key. I don't think Navy's had an issue recruiting. I mean, Jared Prince is one of the top recruits in the entire country. Anybody would have taken Jared Prince. Um, right. So I think what the key for you, and I think this is where you will make a major difference for Navy, is the development that occurs in the room over four years. Is that something you take pride in? And do you feel that you can take a kid from here to there over the time that they're in your program? Yeah, I, I, I do. I do feel, and you're right. Like, you know, last year's lost army was, was literally by a point kid pulled down his straps and it wound up being a tie score. So it wasn't like you're getting blown out of the water. Um, I, I think what I'm good at is, is picking the right people and, and putting them on, you know, on the, on the bus in the right positions, you know? And so I've got Mike Evans, Blaze Cabell, Lloyd, um, you know, Rogers on staff. And, and, and so I, I think we've done a good job of, of finding who fits well. I may be the leader of the program and, and I have to be the leader and I've got to be out there in front, but there might be a kid who just connects better with Mike or connects better with Blaze and, you know, we don't, we don't have any egos on this staff. In the end, it's about helping the kid, you know, win. And, you know, we don't use the word try or wrestle to the best of his, his ability. That's, those are all very, you know, soft, politically correct words that a lot of kids are, are brainwashed before they get here. The idea is to win. You know, that, that's what it's about. Um, and if we see, keep using that kind of stuff, it, it's not going to happen. So if we got a coach and we feel this guy's going to be the difference in, in getting this kid on top and he's going to win under this guy. And that's what we'll make shifts as we do that. So we train the guys as a team and we train the guys individually. Um, but you're only as strong as the people you put around you. You know, that's something we always say. And, and as a coach, you got to practice the same thing. Uh, I know uh, I'm not the best administrator. That's why I have a person that does that for me. I, you know, I have somebody that does the paper. My, my forte is running a room and, and speaking to guys and getting in their head and, and teaching and training. Um, there's in the areas where I'm weak, I make sure I have somebody that's strong and, uh, we bring different personalities to the staff. It's not the same look. 
you know, I, I want different personalities, but with all these different personalities that we have, we, we make it work where it just flows perfectly. And yeah, so I put the, this staff up against anybody in terms of getting the guys prepped. Do you have any immediate needs facilities wise? I know you said you're stepping up a little bit from what they had at Campbell, but is there anything you need right off the bat in terms to start to build this program and, and carry out your vision? I mean, I think there's some things I, I surveyed the guys when I first got here, I surveyed them for two reasons. I, you know, the kids that are here, I wanted to know why they came. So I knew what kind of kid when I'm talking to them, if there's key things in terms of recruiting that I know, yeah, this is a Naval Academy kid. Um, that was fair. And the other thing was I told them, look, small changes. There's something small that can make a big difference in training in, in regard to how we could improve, uh, you know, and just, so I surveyed the guys. And, and one of the things that came back was, um, you know, coach, if we had, if we had a, a fueling station in, in the team locker room, it would cut down on us showering, running across to, to get lunch and then get to the next class. It would allow me to get an extra 15 minutes of lifting in an extra, you know, 15 minutes of, of shooting singles and doubles and high C's, you know, small things like that. I, I always tell them drops in the bucket is how you look at your career. If the, if the sink is just dripping a little bit, we all got yelled at by our parents when we were younger is that your, your mom and dad were paying the bills and they knew how that drip added up overnight. And that's the same way they need to approach training. So those little drips, 15 minutes every day for, you know, the, the 365 days a year makes a difference. You know, there's a lot of extra reps and lifting that they can do. So, you know, we're working on putting a fueling station uh, in, in the uh, locker room area or the, the uh, lounge for the guys. That's the first step. And then um, I think just being smarter about training. I think one of the other things is they thought sometimes they were in the room too long with, with, with time, maybe, maybe coaches spending too much time speaking and talking instead of, you know, when it's time to practice, it's time to practice. We come in and get going. If there's any administrative stuff that needs to get done, it gets done at the end of practice or it gets done through an email uh, before we start, you know? And so those were just some key things in terms of facilities, look, facilities in this day and age, it's an arms race. Everybody's updating their facilities at some point. Yeah. I'm going to want to update my facilities. I think the biggest thing that I want to do right now is have a good pop for recruits. I'd like to get some new graphics in there and really show the, the history of Navy wrestling. Cause we've got, you know, when you start looking at the total package uh, of what Navy wrestling does in terms of, we've had guys who are joint chiefs of staff that wrestled in this program for the, the Marine Corps. We've had guys who are astronauts. We've had guys who are Navy SEALs. I would love to highlight the wrestling accomplishments as well as some uh, of these things that these guys go on to do later in life, because the Naval Academy puts out, you know, uh, world and, and national leaders here is, is what it does. And so I want to highlight more of that stuff. Well, we're going to talk to uh, one of the alumni uh, later in this, uh, in this episode in uh, Jerry Donahoe, um, who was a very good wrestler himself. But I think a lot of our listeners might not know that you were an incredibly decorated uh, wrestler in your own college career. You started at Penn State. You went to the NCAA finals as a freshman transferred to Lock Haven, you won uh, the NCAA championship in 1996, and then you won again as a senior uh, with a 25-0 and 0 record. So obviously, uh, you were, if I, I'll just go ahead and say it, quite a badass um, on the wrestling mat. So I, I'll ask as we close out, have you yet met uh, Jay Antonelli there in Rickettall? Yeah, who hasn't met Jay Antonelli? <laughs> All right, so, I mean, just keeping it real here, Coach. Steel cage death match in the octagon, you and Jay Antonelli, who comes out on top? 
Yeah, I put Jay on his head immediately. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I can't wait for him to listen. Maybe he'll maybe he'll get you out there to uh, to run a couple of pep sessions. Uh, yeah, no, Jay's been awesome with the transition. Um, I've known Jay for years. Know his brother Brian too, and and uh, and so yeah, he's been great in this transition. Because a lot of stuff. Listen, the, my biggest hurdle here is. I've always known about the Naval Academy. I, I can't take another abbreviation. Everything's abbreviated. I always have to go back to my staff and been here and say, what the hell does this mean? You know, so like, so they, they've been good in that aspect. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, Coach, we know you're busy. You're trying to find a house to live in. It's, it's still in the midst of a pandemic. You're trying to build the program back up. And, and you took some time out today to join Sing Second Sports, and we couldn't be more appreciative. Uh, we can't wait for things to get back to normal and for us to actually talk to you about some actual match results. Uh, but until then, good luck finding a house. Good luck to you and your family as we move up here. And thanks again for joining us. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. We are going to pay some bills, go to break. And when we return, we will talk to uh, one of Coach Kolat's uh, wrestlers, Jacob Kozer. Uh, so stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right, we're back. Uh, awesome interview there with uh, Coach Kerry Colat. Uh, now, very happy to be joined by one of his wrestlers, Jacob Kozer. He's a 2018 graduate of Northern York High School in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, Jake attended the Naval Academy Prep School during the 1819 ACK year. Uh, and then last year, his plebe year, uh, wrestling at 197 pounds, he compiled a 21-9 and record and was an alternate for the NCAA championships. Uh, coming from a bit of a wrestling family, his brother Kyle was a three-time NCAA qualifier and 2017 All-American wrestler at Messiah College. Uh, Jake Kozer, thanks for joining Sing Second Sports. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's a it's a pleasure. This is our first uh, venture into wrestling on this podcast, and definitely not the last. Uh, so I'll just ask you: you had an extremely successful uh, plebe year, um, going twenty one and nine. Uh, what what stood out to you in terms of your development as a wrestler during your freshman season? Did you expect to be that successful? Uh, and how much did your experience as a plebe, both in plebe summer? and then through the act year really helped develop you as a wrestler and a student? Um, yeah, thanks. Um, I, uh, I don't really know. I did uh, pretty good at the prep school, but I thought it'd be different um, going into division one because in at prep school, all we do is wrestle pretty much division three people. Um, and I did all right there. And then uh, whenever I got to the academy, I was expecting it to be, a lot more difficult. Um, and it was like practices were brutal. Um, and competition was really hard. I wrestled, uh, number two kid in the country and number three kid in the country at one point. And, um, uh, it was definitely, it was different. Um, you know, you go out there and you're like starstruck because the people that you grow up watching, you're, you're wrestling. So, um, that was different, but, uh, it was all good. Um, and then, yeah, plebe summer. I actually didn't even wrestle during that because I had mono. Um, but uh, 
No, it was good. And um, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect really. Definitely not what I, uh, what I got into. Um, I didn't expect like the team to be the way they were and they're amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it was different than prep school, very different from prep school, but um, all in all, it was really good. Jacob, you, did you go back to the yard to pack your gear, or get ready for the summer? Was that, what was that like? And then what, what are you hearing about how reform is going to go? What's your summer looking like? Is it just a lot of distance learning or, you know, how are you facing the challenges of the pandemic? Um, so I did get back to the yard uh, a couple months ago to get up my to get my stuff just because I'm local. I was within the 150 mile radius, and whenever I was there, I actually I ran into Coach Colot, um, and that was the first time I I met him since he uh, became our coach. Um, we did a lot online stuff, but that was the first time in person, so it was good to see him. And uh, yeah, they're they're giving us a lot of uh, uh, schooling to do. Uh, so right now I'm taking six credits and then I'm, I'm going to be taking four more, uh, in August, um, like late July and August. And then they're saying we're going back, uh, August 19th. That's what I heard. I'm not really sure. I don't know if anybody has a date on that, but we were supposed to go back in July to wrestle. Uh, but because of this, uh, we can't go back. Um, so, but I, I think that's how it is for pretty much all the colleges. Yeah, it's got to be kind of weird just in terms of how you're dealing with your company mates, not to mention your teammates. You say you're taking, if I did the math right, like about 10 hours of academic. Does this go towards your major or the, is this instead of pro trimit or, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, how's this working? Uh, so I think since we didn't do any like summer trainings, I was supposed to do my youngster cruise. Uh, There's a couple of trainings I had. But since we can't do those, they figured might as well do something over the summer. So they gave me uh, Calc 3 and uh, Ethics um, whenever this happened. And uh, and then since I can't, I'm not going back for NAAA to wrestle, um, they gave me, uh, I think, Physics or something like that. Um, but I think it's just to make our time at home productive. So will you have less credit? I, by the way, I almost flunked Calc 3. That was the hardest <laughs> of the Calc uh, syllabus for sure. Um, plus, my uh, instructor was not a nice guy. He was a pop <laughs> quiz kind of guy. Um, so will this mean you can carry fewer credit hours for the balance of, of your time at, at, at the academy? What major are you? Did you say? I can't remember if you told us. what. Quantitative uh, economics. Okay. Uh, but yeah, chop three is no joke. Uh, definitely not online. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you do it online. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a struggle. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, cause that's, that's some serious stuff. That's like a throwing it in type of syllabus. Um, so again, w- will this allow you to carry le- fewer credit hours so you can, you know, work out more and, and maybe it'll give you more bandwidth to focus on the wrestling part of the game, uh, going forward. Or is it just like TBD, uh, how this is all going to play out? Uh, that's what I keep saying that it's going to, uh, it's going to, uh, have, we're going to have less of a workload, um, next year. But I, don't, I was like, I'd rather take it at the Academy than online at home. I'd rather be out fishing or doing something else at home. But, uh, that's what they say. It's going to, um, just lessen the workload. Well, the other rumor that we're hearing and I, we, we know as much as you do, your Intel is probably better, uh, you know, on, on, uh, on your, whatever circle you're communicating with, uh, 
is that the soup has said, okay, we, we can't do the Naval Academy mission remote, right? And that's the physical and the, uh, the, the moral part of the mission. Academics, maybe. So I'm not sure where the faculty senate is with respect to the teachers, instructors coming in and teaching. So you, you could have reform, and then you could wind up doing remote learning with, you know, the, the mids are all in the yard, and the professors are at home, you know, <laughs> teaching via, you know, VTC kind of a thing. I don't know. That's a rumor. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot of things. That was one of them. Yeah, that's just uncharted waters, right? I mean, we're, we're all, as we talk about, uh, you know, the Navy Notre Dame game, and we talked to Coach about, uh, you know, how is he dealing with recruits and getting all you guys together and, and developing team chemistry. It's hard to do. It's, that's great you were able to meet him face-to-face because, as you know, that makes a huge difference in terms of, you know, body language and chemistry and all those sorts of things. There's only so much you can do on on Zoom. And we know this because of this podcast. You know, we, we, we had a vision for this podcast that was face-to-face, and since we launched it, uh, we've done all these on Zoom. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you're just like all the mids we've talked to, your attitude's fantastic um, with respect to this challenge. And so I salute you for that. And hopefully we figure out how to get through this and normalize it sooner rather than later. Hey, Jacob, Phil Wagner from the Capital Gazette newspaper. I've been covering Navy a long time. Uh, every year I do a match or two of our Navy wrestling, usually army Navy or maybe a Maryland match. But, um, the thing I've heard the most since Coach Kolat came on board, and we spoke to him about this in our interview, was his ability to work in a room, to run a wrestling room, to, along with his assistant coaches, improve technique, improve wrestlers' competitive natures. Have you excited to work with Coach Kolat and Coach Evans and, you know, some of his, the rest of the staff on that front? Yeah, I'm thrilled. Uh, so they actually came up to uh, my high school whenever I was there and uh, they were trying to get me to go to Campbell and I was pretty dead set on the Naval Academy. So, um, but there was other kids from my school that they were looking at and uh, they ran us through a practice and a couple of clinics and uh, it was, it was intense. I wrestled with uh, coach Evans and uh, that, that was different. Whenever I was in high school, that was, he rode me like a dog. It was that was intense, but they, they run a really good room and uh, I'm really excited to have them as our coach. Well, our uh, trustworthy producer, Chris Cervello has asked me to explain to the listeners what a room is uh, in wrestling parlance, your practice room where you practice wrestling. They always refer to it as the room, but that's where it all happens. I mean, that's where the, the blood, sweat and tears occur. And that's how you improve. And a lot of times, a big guy like you, I'm going to think Mike Evans might be a guy who's going to lock some horns with you because he's a bigger wrestler. But, you know, that, the coaches themselves will get down and dirty and wrestle with the the Navy guys and teach them personally how to improve. And then, you, of course, you wrestle amongst yourselves with other wrestlers of your weight class. But can you talk about the room? I mean, that that is the grueling part of it. The training, the conditioning is one thing. But when it comes down to improving as a wrestler, that's where it happens in that room. Yep. That's whenever, uh, three either break somebody or get broken and, uh, yeah, sweating, like sweating so much. And, uh, yeah, a lot of hours put in there. Well, I asked you something else. And uh, we talked to coach Colad about this, but 
What's happened with Army lately, losing four in a row? And I know you aren't part of four in a row, but you know how it feels. That's got to end. I mean, during your time at Navy, I don't think you want to lose to Army ever again. Can you just talk about the importance of getting that turned around with your rival? Yeah, so I didn't really understand it whenever whenever I was uh, – even whenever – right before Army, I still didn't understand it whenever we wrestled them because I was like, well, they're – they're like the closest that you can, you can get to us. Uh, I, we should be more friends with them than any other uh, school. But then I realized, then I realized like what all it was about and how um, how competitive it was. Like the environment was just intense. Um, and uh, leading up to it, I was sick. Actually, I had the flu um, the week that we were wrestling, and so I was like, I don't know if I can wrestle. Uh, and then uh, our old coach. Um, it was like, no, we got you. And then they put me on an IV. They're like, you're wrestling the army. So that, that was uh, intense. But um, the, the atmosphere was amazing. And uh, it was like, it was a good rivalry. Uh, at the football game, you get a little taste of that. But then whenever you're actually in it, it's a totally different animal. I'll have to tip my cap to Bill Wagner for, for bringing in the Hamilton reference with the room where it happens. Very sophisticated man of the world, as we all know. So I'll ask you the same question I asked Coach Colat. Um, I know there's a sizable weight difference, but if you had to wrestle Jay Antonelli, Major Antonelli, do you come out on top? No, I'd get thrown right away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, hey, uh, Jake, we really appreciate you taking some time while you're taking summer school. Taking Calc 3 and physics during summer school sounds really awful, and I don't want to be in your shoes, but, uh, we really appreciate, uh, you taking time and being with us and, uh, you know, sing second sports isn't going anywhere. The next time we talk, hopefully we're breaking down one of your most recent matches. Hopefully it's a win over army until we talk again. Good luck with the rest of the summer and, uh, and stay safe and healthy. Okay. Thank you. It was nice talking to you gentlemen. All right. That was Jake Kozer, 197 pounder for the Navy wrestling team. Uh, awesome conversation. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll have our alumni segment with Jerry Donahoe, class of 94, owner of Mills Fine Wine and Spirits in downtown Annapolis. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. All right, we are back uh, with our alumni segment on Sing Second Sports. Joining us is Jerry Donahoe. He graduated from the Naval Academy in 1994. He majored in economics and was a member of the wrestling team where he lettered in 1994. Uh, side note there, he was teammates with one Doug Zembeck, uh, and we'll let Jerry kind of talk a little bit more about who Doug was and uh, what that was like. Uh, Jerry attended Duval High School and was the 1990 state wrestling champion at 152 pounds and also won his 152-pound match at the 1990 Senior All-Star Classic at Johns Hopkins. He was commissioned as a SWO, served as the MPA on USS Ogden, where he was right across the pier from my ship, and as OIC of ACU-5 in San Diego, driving around the LCACs. He returned to the Naval Academy in 2001 as a phys ed instructor and the athletic facilities manager, 
As he got out of the Navy and co-founded DDK Technology Group in 2001, it became a major IT firm, uh, so much so that it was purchased by Mantech in 2009. Uh, with the proceeds from that, Jerry and his wife, Jennifer, purchased Mills Fine Wine and Liquors uh, right in downtown, keeping a mainstay of local Annapolis business in operation. They have two daughters and a son, and uh, as Jerry would tell you, his son is a member of the wrestling team at Broadneck High School and quite the wrestler himself. Uh, so happy to have on the podcast, great golfer, um, fantastic friend of the program, and good businessman in Annapolis, Jerry Donahoe. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. Thanks again for having us. And, and um, yeah, I, I know Strassmeyer doesn't want to hear golf, but I know you just had a great trip, and I'd love to hear more about that. Not at another time, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Strass's head would explode if we <laughs> talked about Aaron Hills and Whistling Straits. It, it wouldn't end for an hour. So... I'll, I'll get right to it with, with your wrestling career. Um, you know, having known you for years, I, I knew that you uh, were a very good wrestler. I didn't really know the extent of it until I started doing the research and, and was surprised at how much stuff was out there on you on the internet, considering how old you are. Um, so <laughs> um, what was your experience like at the Naval Academy as a wrestler? And as you have remained kind of in the area since you came back in 2001, particularly as a member of the staff uh, and, and athletics, uh, athletic facilities manager, uh, you know, how, how has the program evolved in, in your estimation and what's your fondest memory of being a wrestler in that program? Um, well, you know, it's in interesting, you know, I listened to, to coach Cole last speak earlier. Um, you know, I, I've followed Navy wrestling for obviously a long time and, and, you know, what's interesting about Coach Colat is there have not been that many wrestling coaches in Navy history. Um, and, you know, my coach was Reg Wicks, uh, who took over from uh, Coach Perry, who was there for 30 plus years. And, and then Reg was, um, was his longtime assistant, was a head coach for a long time. And, and you know, when, when Reg was um, kind of let go, I mean, they brought in uh, Bruce Burnett, who was one of the the biggest uh, tech tacticians in wrestling in, in, in the U.S. And interestingly enough, Colat was offered, you know, was potentially going to come at and come be the assistant for, for that team, which, which I was first in Lejeune Hall at the time. Um, so Navy's just got a, a storied wrestling history. Um, I think Chet, you know, recognizes that and understands it's a combatant sport and, and it has a great place in, in, uh, on the yard. Um, you know, and, and as far as my, my college career, we could probably cover that in, in the next commercial break. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I was a member of the program for four years. I was never the top guy. Um, and it was very hard to be the top guy there because you can bring in a bunch of kids, you know, it's not a, you know, no one's on scholarship, right? Everybody's got the same deal. So Navy can really recruit in a, a bunch of people and, and we certainly had the upper hand on Army when I was there. I think, you know, I remember we used to have T-shirts uh, that kind of referenced the 33-year win streak that we had against Army, which is huge. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm humbled just to have been a part of the program. Um, you know, I don't get into the Naval Academy unless I get recruited uh, to wrestle by Reg. I mean, I'm certainly not the, an academic superstar, and, 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 but, I, but I made it through and – and, um, you know, Navy wrestling changed my life. It set me up for the rest of my life, allowed me to be a part of that institution to graduate from it. 
And uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, a pr- I'm proud to be just part of the long history of it. John mentioned Doug Zembeck, who, the Lion of Fallujah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty neat for me a few years ago. I try on July 4th weekend to visit some sort of historic site. And a few years ago, I went to Arlington and I was not surprised to find members of the Brendan Looney family there in honor of him and at his gravesite. But Joel Sherritt, the wrestling coach at Navy, every year goes to Doug Zembeck's grave at Arlington. Um, what can you tell us about Doug Zembeck? He was a great wrestler. He was an All-American. But also, what can you tell us about him as a man? Well, yeah, I had the, the pleasure of wrestling with Doug, and he was a little bigger than, than I was, so I, I didn't really work out with him in the room. Um, but I went to Doug's funeral. I mean, I, I can tell you that when he was killed in May, I was running the Annapolis 10 miler with my brother, who was uh, a four-year starter, four-year wrestler uh, at Hofstra University Division One. Um, and we were running on the, I'll never forget. It, and I, I come over that bridge. I go, I come to work on the, the Naval Academy bridge and I, I pass it going home. And I think of them every time I ride over the bridge, my brother and I were running up the hill and Doug just kind of casually came running past us. Uh, and we talked for probably 10 minutes before, you know, we were done holding him up. Um, but we had a chance to catch up. I introduced him to my brother and then he was killed the next May. Um, Doug was truly a unique, unique guy. I mean, you watch him wrestle and, you know, I would say that this guy is not technically that sound. He didn't look like it, but he was just, he just browbeat everybody. I mean, he was, he was just so in such better shape than everybody else. And, and he just really wanted to win and he would just go out and wear people down. Um, and he was just, you know, he was friendly to everybody. He had zero ego. Um, so he was truly a unique guy. And I, and I think, um, you know, by the number of people at his funeral, uh, the number of people who came back, somebody mentioned there was like 10 or 20 flag officers at, at his funeral. And then we go caravan down to Arlington. And the next day, in the Washington Post above the fold was a picture of his casket and the crowd around. Um, you know, we, they, um, some of my old teammates started a wrestling clinic um, in his honor. Um, you know, they've had it at his old high school. They've had it here in Annapolis. I've sent my son to it once. Um, but you know, it, it, the legend lives on. And, and, you know, I remember after I'd introduced him to my brother, um, I'd sent my brother some links to some articles. One in reference to the LA times talks about, you know, some kind of this raging liberal guy who's, you know, really against the war back then, but he got a chance to meet Doug and go out on a patrol. And he's like, no matter what your politics are. He said, we need people like this fighting for our country. And, and, um, and I know the Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates, gave a speech, a tear-filled speech to a room of people. And he referenced having Doug Zembeck's picture on his wall in his office. This is a Secretary of Defense. Um, so his legends live on. And, and um, you know, honored to have known Doug for as long as I knew him. And, um, you know, I think his honor will, or his memory will, always be with us you were part of the navy wrestling program when it produced all americans on a regular basis we mentioned doug being an all-american but you were also teammates with heavyweight dan hicks who was an all-american uh i think all the alums are hoping that coach colat can return navy to the glory days in which it's you know a, a contender for the eiwa championship 
sending multiple wrestlers to the NCAA championships and producing All-Americans. Your thoughts on Coach Colad? And I've got to feel that you, like many alumni, are very confident in his abilities to get this program headed in the right direction. Yeah, I am. And I did listen to Coach Colad's comments. And, um, you know, he's he's right in that the landscape has changed in wrestling. You know, but, you know, you don't think to go to Princeton – when you were coming out of, out, of, out of high school to be a, a top wrestler. Yeah, Lehigh was always there. Um, interestingly enough, you know, Cornell really, um, you know, is on the wrestling map. And, and he mentioned Kyle Dake. Interestingly enough, Mac Loonis, whose grandparents started Loonis' Steakhouse right here, and he's one of the best wrestlers come out of Maryland. I believe he was even before, you know, he was before Kyle Dake. And he was ranked number one in the country. I actually saw him wrestle at NCAAs in Philly when they were there, I don't know how many years ago. Um, but the, the landscape has changed, you know, and I think kids are starting to look at, you know, hey, you know, I want to be an All-American or, or possibly a national champion, but, you know, there's life after wrestling, you know, and what kind of degree do you want to have? Um, and that's important as kind of changing. Maybe he's hurting 80 because you've got a lot of other great programs coming into the mix. And like you said, Army is coming back. But, you know, People in my generation and, and, and beyond know the name Kerry Cola. I mean, he is one of the biggest names in this country for wrestling. And he will be a draw. I mean, hey, Joel Sherritt was a three-time NCAA finalist. You know, he's a legend in his own right. But, but Kerry Cola is a different animal. And, and he, his name just resonates with people out there. He's a technician. And I think people admire his kind of mental capacity for the sport. And, um, you know, I think he's going to get bigger recruits because of that. And, you know, I can't speak. I've never been in the restroom with a guy, but, but um, he's got quite the reputation in that area as well. One of the neatest things that I've ever seen is when I cover the Army-Navy match, when it's held in Alumni Hall, um, during the match, they ask, they recognize alumni, Navy wrestling alumni, and they start with, the 2000s and then the 90s. And remarkably, they get down to like the 50s and some old guy stands up. Um, that alumni network is strong. They turn out for that Army-Navy match in force. It's a huge crowd. And I think Coach Colad has already found that he's got a great asset in the Navy wrestling alumni. They've already reached out, many of them, to say that they'll offer their support in any way they can. Can you just kind of talk about the Navy wrestling alumni, how close-knit they are, and what possibly they can do to try to help the program. Well, I mean, that's a good point. Um, you know, we have a, certainly a strong, uh, strong brotherhood of, of, of friendships that have uh, stood the test of time. I mean, some of my best friends today are my, my old teammates from Navy. Um, and that's kind of, you know, Army-Navy's here every other year. That's kind of like our homecoming, get together. Um, you know, Joel started doing a good job with that, kind of reaching out and, and having a reception afterwards, um, kind of the baton's been passed for some other older folks down um, to get the, the younger folks in. But, you know, it's I think it could be a good recruiting ploy, too. I mean, you know, that, that arena's packed and it's usually coming down to the last match or two. Um, you know, so I think Coach Colat's got a good network of people that are a lot of them are alumni. I want to step in and, and, and say, hey, where can we help? Um, you know, and, and maybe part of it is, is us, you know, some of the folks who have took, taken different paths in life. You know, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I did seven years active duty and, and 
came out, I've, I've always enjoyed business and, you know, bringing people in to talk about, you know, what this institution has done for our lives going forward. You know, you maybe you got a kid on the fence that, you know, hey, I've got an opportunity to go to Harvard or Princeton. Why should I come to the Naval Academy? Well, if you can, you know, if you get beyond the military commitment and, and say, hey, I'm willing to do this, and you might make a career out of it, but there's other alternatives too. You don't have to be a, you don't have to be an admiral. You can go out and be successful in business. And there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of successful business people out there in the ranks. And, and I think getting them together to tell their story might help on the recruiting trail. Jerry, um, the idea of the podcast is obviously to speak to Navy fans about the, the importance of the physical mission. Um, but you, you hit on a point that's very important for us and that we always want to talk to alumni who've gone out and done great things afterwards. Last week, we talked to Nicole Anapu, who, you know, she's just a NASA astronaut. So she hasn't really, she hasn't really arrived yet. Um, you mean she's but, not being a liquor store, John? <laughs> I mean, some mountains are too uh, tall to climb. And when I was the PAO there, I started a series that, that said, hey, you don't have to be an admiral, which was to, to highlight the fact that after your five-year commitment to go out and do great things, to be a congressman, to be a business owner, to be an astronaut, to be really anything, that you find that the, that the character and consequence that is imbued upon midshipmen while they're there it has second and third order effects that are hard to quantify. So for you, and I know I've watched from afar, or close and afar for a long time, is you and your wife, Jen. Jen, also a Naval Academy graduate from the class of 94, have made, have made this business, or it has continued to be successful in downtown. Uh, it, really quick, can you talk about how the pandemic has, has affected uh, what you're doing, and then and then how you see Mills being a part of the fabric of Annapolis going forward. Right. Um, you know, the, the pandemic has, has certainly affected us, and, and it's unfortunate the bars and restaurants shut down. Well, I mean, that, that business kind of has to go somewhere, and, and we've been lucky enough to, to capitalize on some of that. Um, we've always delivered to, to Annapolis addresses, uh, and that has just exploded. So, um, and we're hoping that people kind of enjoy the convenience of delivering and it's free. If you have $50 minimum, it will deliver to your, your home or your dock or your boat. And, you know, we, we like the fact that we put our inventory online, you know, pick up the phone, call us, shoot us an email, we'll have it on your doorstep within an hour or two. We hope that continues. Certainly. And, uh, and a reminder for all of our listeners, if you're coming back for an alumni weekend in the fall, hopefully there are alumni weekends and reunions in the fall. Uh, or if you're just coming back to Annapolis this summer as things continue to open up to keep Mills Fine Wine and Liquors in your plans, for sure, as as Jen and Jerry um, continue to represent uh, the Naval Academy very well as small business owners down there. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's an audio medium, but this, uh, this sleeve of uh, Sing Second Sports Pro V1X is coming your way. For the next time we play either Woodmore or the Naval Academy uh, course when it opens up in uh, late July, or early August. And uh, again, my obligatory golf reference just for the uh, <laughs> sports information department. So, Jerry, thank you very much for joining us. Yep, thanks for having us, John. We are going to go to break. And when we return, Wags and I will take us out. Thank you for joining us. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, we're back to finish up. Uh, really awesome pod today. 
I'll, I'll kick it to you, Wags, really quick to kind of comment on what I, I believe was the most uh, significant highlight of this whole thing. And, and that's when we were talking to Coach Colot and and it just struck me how matter of fact he was about talking about, you know, that, but that sports is violence. Sports is, you know, sports is competition. And, um, you know, he made a point toward the end of his interview, like, hey, you know, kids might be filled with all sorts of ideas of being, you know, nice to each other and politically correct. But in the end, when you're on the fields of friendly strife, like, it's a competition and, and the idea is to win. You know, that I, and he said it very plainly and, and I, it was actually very inspiring. And I think that's what uh, Chet had particularly in mind when he, when he hired Coach Colat. Um, if you had to put on your, you know, your prognosticator hat, how, how do you think, how long do you think it's going to take him to actually get this program back, back to, to where it was where they were beating Army 33 straight years as Jerry? Well, I don't think it's going to take very long at all. Chet Gladchuk hit a home run of epic proportions in hiring Kerry Colad, who was just a legendary figure in the sport of wrestling. I mean, I've, I've always followed wrestling, but I wouldn't consider myself a wrestling aficionado. But, I mean, what I heard the name Kerry Colad when I first got the word that that's who they were considering hiring. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he, he's one of the few names, you know, you talk about four or five names in the sport of wrestling, and he's among those that you would mention. And I cannot overstate what an incredible wrestler this man was. I mean, four-time All-American. I mean, his vinyl record in college was something like 125 and four. Uh, went on to wrestle for the United States internationally, was a medalist in all sorts of, of, of various international events, wrestled in the Olympics. I mean, this guy is the ultimate competitor I guarantee you right now he could walk into the Navy wrestling room and beat every single Navy wrestler tomorrow. That's how good this guy is. He is A-grade legit. Um, he was competing at a high level not up until recently, and he, he's like in his 40s uh, or late 30s. But, you know, Kerry Colat's the man. And, yeah, you heard his word. He, he, he's not fooling around. Uh, you want to be part of the Navy wrestling program now, you're going to have to turn it up a notch because he and his staff expect e excellence. They're going to push you to excellence. They're going to push you to compete at, to the utmost ability. And the, what he does to train and improve wrestlers is what's going to make Navy the whole program better. So, yeah, no, I, I'm eager to see Navy wrestling evolve under the guidance of Kerry Colette. Yeah, for sure. And we've heard it now. We've talked to Nehemiah, we've talked to Ed the Cellist, we've talked to Karen Guevara, we've talked to Costi, um, you know, and, and the, the idea that all of these coaches are lockstep behind Chet and the idea that, you know, that this is, this is an organization that's built on the idea of winning. And it's not about, you know, it's, it's not about, uh, you know, having moral victories or, or quasi victories. It's, it's about victory. And, and that's the idea of sports. And, and it was really enlightening to hear, uh, not only Carrie talk about that, but Jacob Kozer and also Jerry Donahoe. Um, you know, I, I will make a prediction. We didn't ask Jerry about it, but you know, we have one win against Jay Antonelli with Carrie Colat. Jacob Kozer thought he was going to lose. My prediction with Jerry Donahoe um, is is that he, he gets Jay Antonelli with like a bourbon bottle over the head at the very end, and and uh, and Jay Antonelli fish, finishes one and two against this trio. So. It's super, super fun pod today. And, and again, I'll, I'll say it one last time, Bill. 
Um, I, I know all of our hearts and, and thoughts are, are with you and, and the rest of the Capital Gazette family as we mark the anniversary of, of a truly god-awful, shitty day. And, um, and we truly hope that, uh, that nothing like that ever happens again. But it, it, it has certainly left a mark on me. It's left a mark on all of us. And, and you are not alone. Uh, you have you and the rest of the Capital Gazette family out front, um, you know, all over. So um, I just wanted to say that before we went out. I'll leave you with the last word. Well, thank you very much for those thoughts. And it is very somber affair. And we'll always remember, uh, not just during the anniversary, but all the time. I'll leave it on a more upbeat, funny note. It's uh, when I first started at the Capitol, there was an editor at the Maryland Gazette named Ron Donahoe, and he did a segment called Dare Me to Do It. And he would have athletes dare him to do something, go, you know, hand gliding. Or one time he tried to hit against a fast pitch softball pitcher from Northeast High School, and he got struck out in three pitches. I was thinking, how long would Bill Wagner last on the mat with Kerry Colad before he was pinned flat to his back? Do you get, what do you, over under 10 seconds, 15? I mean, I, I can't run away. Uh, I'd have to go and gauge, but how long do you think I could survive? Seven seconds. I, I think, yeah, I think he grabs you and he has you and, you know, or, or he does like the super fly Jimmy Snuka off the top rope and, and gets you that way. So, um, but <laughs> Uh, I will I will dare you tomorrow uh, to make either birdie or eagle on one of the holes at Crofton Country Club. That one's for you, Scott Strassmeyer. And as we go out, I hope everyone had uh, a fantastic Fourth of July holiday. Uh, we encourage everyone to continue to stay safe, mind the pandemic, mind uh, the social distancing. And uh, one final thing, this past, uh, I think it was Wednesday, July 1st, uh, was our intrepid producer, Chris Cervello's 44th birthday. So very happy birthday to him. And thank you for what he does day in and day out for Sing Second Sports. That is it for us, for Bill Wagner, Ward Carroll, and um, myself, John Schofield. Uh, we thank you for joining us. And we will see you next week on Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show, and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.